I said to myself, this is really stupid. It's really stupid because I'm part of a team in my district office and my district office has to integrate and engage with the corporate office. So I'm working on signing up end users and resellers in my district. And then I have to engage these external people with my internal marketing and leadership and product and shipping and all that. And so we're trying to work together as a team with all these contacts and I have a day timer. And I said, this is really stupid. There's got to be a better way. And I looked around for a solution that would enable me to share a set of relationships to do some simple sales and marketing. I couldn't find it. And really, that was the impetus for the idea of network business software as a general thesis. Because back then, file record locking just started. So there was no network business software, let alone CRM or team relationship management. And so I got together with a college friend of mine and we built it. Hi, it's Kurt Deridix and welcome back. If this is your first time listening, then I'm so glad you found us. This week, I'm excited to share my conversation with my friend and mentor, John Ferrara, the category-creating entrepreneur who trailblazed the CRM category with Goldmine Software. John bootstrapped Goldmine in the late 80s, scaled it in the 90s, and sold it for $125 million cash during the dot-com boom. John is now the founder and CEO of Nimble.com, the CRM that I've been using for over 10 years now, and I just love Nimble. It's a relationship-focused CRM for the entire team, not just for salespeople. And John is brilliant. He's both a right and left brain thinker. This is a really inspiring and honest interview as he shares candidly about the highs and lows of his life and career. And pressing rewind, John had a pivotal part in my early career as I was a goldmine power user starting in the early 2000s and used it daily to power my business activities for 10 years. And in 2012, I met John in the context of nimble.com Thanks to Tyler Crowley for the introduction. And I'm so fortunate to have developed a friendship with somebody I so deeply respect and am inspired by. This episode is a lot to offer anyone interested in, the, in a legendary case study of how to create a new category of software, plus the art and science of sales. John is also a wonderful role model for balancing personal and professional success. Please do go to curtyd.com to subscribe to my newsletter and see some of the special content I've created. And on to today's show. Here's John. John, so good to see you, my friend. Kurt, it's always amazing to connect with you. There's few people in the world that I hold as dear as you. And I think it's because of your soft, beautiful, kind soul and heart. Ah, oh, you flatter me. Well, I think like recognizes like, my friend. So where are you today? I'm in beautiful Santa Monica, California, where the temperature is 70. And if it's not 70, wait three days because it's going to be 70. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So you're, you're the home office? I am. I um, remodeled my home 15 years ago and built this home office that I never really used till COVID hit. And all of a sudden, I use it quite a bit. And I've gotten to appreciate it immensely. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to go to the house. It's an amazing house in one of the best neighborhoods probably in America. Oh. It's a beautiful place that you live. 
I used to live in the San Fernando Valley where it gets to be over 100 frequently in the summertime and back in the day, quite smoggy. And we used to get relief by driving over the mountain and riding bikes in the coast. And I literally used to park outside of my current house, not knowing or even thinking about this house because it was so far out of reach of what I could even imagine. But I just used to love riding down the street I live on that goes to the beach. It's about a 15-minute walk, five-minute bike ride. And I just think it's amazing how the universe delivers on your prayers and intentions. If you're able to, to send your prayers to the universe and are present enough to listen for when the door knocks and brave enough to walk through the door. Yeah, your words to God's ears. I love that. And that's really kind of very, very in harmony with the melody of the show. I guess like the thing that's really cool about you and, and our relationship is, and I'm so excited to dig in, is you founded a software called Goldmine. I think essentially pioneered the CRM market. It pioneered more than the CRM market. If you really go back in history, when Goldmine was created, there was no Outlook. There was no Salesforce. There was no SFA software, Salesforce automation. There was no market automation software. And there really wasn't team contact software. So there was ACT, which was a plug-in to Symphony uh, that allowed you to manage tasks for individual sales reps. But there wasn't a tool that integrated email contact and calendar and sales and market automation into a team relationship platform for a whole company to manage its relationships. And I believe that for you to achieve your goals as a team, that everybody in the company touches the constituency around your business. And what you need is a relationship platform that crosses all departments and all functions so that no matter who picks up the phone, you know who you're talking to, yeah. what their company's about, what's been done, who did it, what's going to be done, who's done it, who's going to do it. And the funny thing is that today, Microsoft 365 and Google Workspace doesn't deliver that. There is no team relationship platform. And that most CRMs are more about sales than they are about relationships. Even though CRM stands for customer relationship management, I, shouldn't, I think it should stand for customer reporting management because they don't really power you to do relationships. And then if you have to, if you buy a CRM, you have to go buy sales off and out or outreach IO and Zoom Info or sale, LinkedIn sales yeah. data. And I just think that today's CRMs are lacking in what I think Goldmine's foundation was about people connecting to people. Yeah. Well, I think in that same breath, I've been a power. So Goldmine powered, a friend of mine who was a consultant got me a copy of it 2001, right after I graduated school. And it was like, for me, it was just like, the, it was symphonic. It was like, it just felt so great. The interface was amazing. And I used it for almost 10 years to run my business. And it was great. And then now I've been a nimble user, which is your kind of second act, if you will. And I've been a power user 10 years now, and it's incredible. And I think our connection is really meaningful because I'm such a relationship guy and your software has helped me to really kind of track and build and curate my community. So I think those sort of nice things that you said about me at the beginning of the show, I think you're sort of creating a container for people like me to do more of that. So thank you for that. You bet. I think that's my purpose on this planet is to help other people is to grow my soul. And I think I do that best by helping other people grow theirs. And if I could help other people 
achieve their dreams by building relations, the key relationships they need at scale, then I'm doing my job. And that's kind of why I got back in the business was that I believe that the world needs, people need a personal serum and they need a team serum that's focused on relationships as opposed to bagging and tagging prospects and customers. Yeah. So before we double click into Nimble, which I think is sort of the star of the show, I'd love to press rewind a little bit and get a little context about kind of where and how you grew up and really curious about you studied at school, which I think is fascinating. And then kind of like some of the light bulb moment for Goldmine and you had a pretty big exit with that and so forth and so on. So having said all that, you grew up in SoCal, right? In yeah. San Fernando Valley. And I think I know a little bit just from bits and pieces of watching online, but some photos you posted, your dad was a pretty prominent car dealer in the area. Is that correct? That's right. So Kurt, I grew up originally in Hancock Park, which is a sort of a, another nice Southern California neighborhood like where I live in Santa Monica today. It's an old neighborhood that was built in the Spanish revival era of the 20s. Yeah. And just a lot of nice old homes and community. And it really was a bubble in Los Angeles. And I grew up in a bubble until the sixth grade when my dad had the first Subaru dealership in Southern California. And then in the 70s recession, he kind of lost it. And we moved to the Valley and I moved to town called Arlita and went to Pacoima Junior High. And I think that this transition really formed the foundation of who I am today. Because if had I grown up in that bubble in Hancock Park and then gone to Loyola Boys School like all my friends did and went to USC or whatever school that they all went to, I don't know if I'd be the entrepreneur that I am today, but I went through struggles where I got tossed out of my bubble into a town that was quite diverse, and I had to learn how to be with people that were different than me in many ways. And I think it helped to form me to who I am today, where I'm comfortable in a variety of situations with a variety of people. In fact, I embrace it and I relish it. And so we moved to Arlita, and I lived there for a couple of years, and then we moved to Sepulveda, which is now called North Hills. And I went to high school, a public high school in the Valley, and then moved on to, I went to Pierce Community because I, in high school, didn't do what I needed to do to go to university. So I had to make up that time and thank God for yeah. community colleges. In fact, sure. if you have a child or you're a person who wants to get higher education, I'd actually recommend that you lean into community colleges because you could save two years of cost and you have much smaller classrooms and much more intimate and you could transfer into universities much easier. And that's what I did. I transferred into California State University Northridge. I got into their impacted computer science program and I studied computer science there. There's a side story to that. That's yep. important. If you go to school, you should do internships or work throughout that time in order to get experience and knowledge. And because I was passionate about computers, I bought my first computer when I was 18 years old in 1978. It was an Apple IIe. It cost me $3,500, which was a lot of money back in those days. And I, yeah, it's a lot of money now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I was the only kid in my town that had a computer. But I was passionate about it. I went and got a job at a computer store. And by working in a computer store during my college years, I was able to garner so much knowledge about the computer industry about the adoption of microcomputers, about the software that's being used on top of them. And I think it was this knowledge that really gave me the foundation 
to be able to bail gold mine at the time I did. Yeah. So you graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and Math from Cal State Northridge in 84, roughly. Yeah. That's a great time to be doing that. What was it that captured your imagination to sort of want to save up that much money at the time to buy a computer? And what was sort of that gravity or attraction? Was it somebody mentored you or you, what was it? Well, I don't know about you, Kirk, what your dad did, but I think there's a natural inclination for teenagers to diss their parents and separate and enables us to leave them out. Yeah. My dad was a sales guy. He was sure. me a sales guy and on yeah. And that's the farthest thing I ever wanted to be. I wanted to be like my Uncle John, who invented radar and microwave at MIT in the 40s and was an aerospace entrepreneur and dean at my university at Northridge. And what really started me down the technology route was two things. One, I grew up in the space program era. I grew up watching Mercury and Gemini and Apollo, and I wanted to be an astronaut. And then my mom took me to New York City and I visited the Pan Am building, now called the MetLife building. And in the lobby was a teletype IBM terminal that people, that they let you sit at. And it ran a program called Eliza, which is an AI program that does interaction. It says, hello, what's your name? You type in your name. It says, how are you doing? And it interacts with you. And that first touch of a computer, I was hooked. I just said, this is friggin' cool. And I want to do more of that. And then the space program piqued my technology interest. And then my uncle, being a technologist and an entrepreneur, furthered that. But I had to pay my way through college. I got a degree. I got a job at a computer land store. And I was really good at sales. In fact, back then, there were no computers on desktops. And I sold the first 300,000 PCs to Southern California corporations, swapping out the terminals. And digital PCs were 55% margin back then. So in 1981, I was making $81,000 a year working part-time, living at home, selling at Computerland. And so you'd think, well, John, you'd graduate and you should just go do your in tech sales. Yeah. I didn't want to be that. So I got a job at Hughes Space and Com and got tired of the drive. I transferred to Hughes Missile Systems. And there I was implementing PC technology in large corporations. There are 15,000 people on the plant site. So I had to basically tie together all these miscellaneous PCs to the minis and the mainframes and develop applications that helped them to utilize and build these missiles they were building, the AMRAM back in the day. And it was there that I really started to learn how corporations implement computers and tie them together and then use software on top. And again, it's each of these stages that I did that prepared me to be ready to take advantage of goldmine. But there was one guy at Hughes that was a friend of my uncle's, uh, IEEE guy, electrical engineer. And I used to go talk to him and he used to tell me, John, I should have, could have, would have. And I said, should have, could have, would have what? I should have, could have, would have started TRW or Litton or all these other technology companies that ex-Hughes people started because technology companies breed technologists that go start other companies. And so when I had the opportunity to start Goldmine, I jumped at the chance because I never wanted to say shoulda, coulda, woulda. So the insight for Goldmine, it sounds like it's two parts. It was one sort of this kind of fear of loss in a way of the shoulda, coulda, woulda, which is a very powerful kind of instinctual driver. What was sort of the market insight for you? Like, what was it about the vector of the space? Was it 
you just needing a solution to kind of track all the amazing sales you were doing? There's a deeper story. So remember, I wasn't in sales. I was at Hughes. Got it, got it. PCs and time. Got it, got it. And one of the tools I used, I selected a vendor to tie together the 50,000 PCs across the 25 plant sites that we used was enterprise network operating system called Banyan. Now you have to remember there was no Microsoft network operating system. So it was Novell and Banyan. Novell was the workgroup solution for SMBs and Banyan was the enterprise solution. And after two years in aerospace, Kurt, I just said to myself, I'm not an aerospace guy. It's just, it's too cozy here for me. And so I got a job at this startup, Banyan, and I was their first SE on the West Coast, systems engineer. And then they moved me into sales and they transferred me to Dow. So there I am in sales and they basically gave me leads and said, go get them. Well, a lead was effectively a piece of paper with a phone number of IT people at big corporations. And so what I do is I cold call the lead and I'd make notes on that piece of paper and I put my appointments in my day timer and I do my forecast once a month in a spreadsheet because corporate wanted to know how many servers we we're going to sell so they could build the hardware for the forecast. And I said to myself, this is really stupid. It's really stupid because I'm part of a team in my district office and my district office has to integrate and engage with the corporate office. So I'm working on signing up end users and resellers in my district. And then I have to engage these external people with my internal marketing and leadership and product and shipping and all that. And so we're trying to work together as a team with all these contacts and I have a day timer. And I said, this is really stupid. There's got to be a better way. And I looked around for a solution that would enable me to share a set of relationships to do some simple sales and marketing. I couldn't find it. And really, that was the impetus for the idea of network business software as a general thesis. Because back then, file record locking just started. So there was no network business software, let alone CRM or team relationship management. And so I got together with a college friend of mine and we built it. What was sort of the sequence of you quitting your job? And then what year was it that you started gold mining? So there was a co-founder, my co-founder, Elon Susser of Goldmine, was this really brilliant, fresh off the boat Israeli kid I met in Calc 1. So we took Calc 1, 2, 3, differential equations, linear algebra and numerical analysis together at Pierce, and then we transferred to CSUN where he did electrical engineering, I did computer science. And when he graduated, he didn't want to build bombs because that's what EEs did in the Valley back in then, those days. And so I basically helped him buy a 286 clone. I gave him DBase and WordStar, and I said, here, go get them. And I said, start writing network business software. So he wrote accounts payable thing for his dad, accounts receivable thing for his dad's friend. And he started writing these software and he kept saying to me, hey, John, let's start a company to do this. And he had, by that time, written network accounting program. And I said to myself in 1988, 89, I said, yeah, Elon, let's do this. Because I knew I could always go get another job. And so I moved to LA, we got an apartment, and I started selling the accounting software. And the age-old problem of managing relationships came back up to me because I'd be in the field talking to resellers and end users. He'd be back at the apartment, picking up the phone and talking to prospects and customers doing support. I want to know what happened with the calls. And basically he has all these piece of paper with notes. And so that night I took something called Dan Bricklin's demo, which is a DOS based screen layout program. Dan Bricklin, by the way, wrote VisiCalc, which was the original spreadsheet. 
And I laid out the original screens of what Goldmine would look like. And I essentially shared those screens and the features I wanted and, and on built it and I started using it. And then as I started to use it and we would go to these shows where we're trying to sell the accounting program to these resellers, they called Lambda shows, Local Area Network Dealer Association. All the guys that we we're selling to, they wanted to kind of see what the gold mine thing was. And so little by little, we built the revenue up for the accounting program, but we saw there's a lot more demand and opportunity in the sales software. And so we had to make a choice to pivot. Like, do we give up $50,000 a month in revenue accounting software for taking the leap that we could actually make something of this gold thing? And we did. And we quickly got to $100,000 a month in revenue and then to a million and then to 10 million and the rest is history. What year did you guys sell the business? 1999. Okay. And it was a pretty big exit at the time, especially in the context that you did not raise any money, right? It was all self-funded. Yeah. We bootstrapped the company and we sold the company for cash because in 1999, I just didn't like the whole stock market yeah. Asian. I did like the valuations. I did want to take stock. And so we took a lower total valuation, but without any investors, it's a lot of cash. Yeah. 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 We're doing a hundred something million dollars a year in revenue. And I think our profits were about 30% profit. So it's like a really great business to have built. And yeah, so we sold it. Do you disclose how much you sold it for? No worries if not. Oh, it's public record. I think we sold it for $125 million in cash or so. Holy smokes. That's a big pile of cash, especially at that time. And then kind of going into a recession after the dot-com bust, like it's epic. Yeah, it's actually unbelievable. I mean, my father is an immigrant. He came over on a boat when he was 13 from Sicily. My mom, 100% Irish and her grandmother came off a boat from Ireland and we're dirt poor. They did the dirt jobs in the coal mines in Pennsylvania to really give us what we have. And so I'm a testimony to the brave souls who got on boats and came to America and gave me the opportunity to realize the dream. Yeah. Yeah. American dream. Definitely. So much to unpack there. I kind of rewinding back to that moment where you guys had to sort of make the leap between the accounting software and Goldmine, how did you come to that decision? Like, how did you figure out kind of total addressable market and what was sort of the logic between, was it just an intuition that, man, there's just a lot of kind of impulse here on this demand and, and you guys just did some back of the napkin math around how many folks, like, talk to me about that decision. I believe in intuition where you get a feel of the road, you get a feel of what's around you. And when everybody wants to hear about the sales software and not as many people want to hear about the accounting software, you should get a feel for the market. So yeah, the market tells you what it wants. Most technology resellers sell plumbing to plumbers. They sell IT infrastructure to IT decision makers. They don't sell business solutions on top. And so for them to sell a business solution on top, they have to sort of get to know it. They have to know, understand it. Because nobody wants to sell something they don't understand. And I think that everybody sort of understands people and relationships and sales more than they do credits and debits. And I still don't know the difference between a credit and debit. Well, I kind of do, but no, I mean, I'm not an accounting major. I'm a math computer science major with a background in sales because my father and my uncle. And I hated selling accounting software because I couldn't answer the questions. 
but the people in relationship and sales software, bring it on. <laughs> I can talk about that all day. And so it was a lot more fun to sell. There was a lot more demand for it. And there was immediate value add to a business because every business has contacts and relationships, but not every business needs an accounting program, but every business needs a contact platform. Got it. So there was sort of the market impulse and you were getting positive energy around kind of the category, the categories just intrinsically much larger and one thought. And then this idea of, of founder product fit. It was a domain that you had a lot more sort of comfort and skill and ability and just naturally that all makes sense. Yeah. And there's some little stories about how we grew it out of the apartment and then scaled it to the globe without any advertising. And if you want to bring a product to market, it's much more powerful when other people talk about you than when you talk about you. Plus for you, 100%. you, you have to use dollars to get those eyeballs. Yeah. And so back in the banding days, I got my butt kicked by the Novell resellers because they had relationships with the local small businesses. And I had to sell top down from the enterprise, which is much harder than selling bottom up through the work group. And so I knew that the Novell resellers had their relationships with those small business end users. And if I could just build a relationship with their trusted advisor, the technology reseller, the Novell reseller, then they had thousands of customers they could recommend it to. So what I did is I cold called every Novell reseller in the country. And I got them to use it because people sell what they know and they know what they use. And that's how we got to our first $100,000 a month in revenue. And then at some point around there, Microsoft ate Novell by coming out with NT Server, SQL Server, and Exchange Server. And at the same time, our customers said, we need Goldmine to scale bigger than the DBase files. And we need the email transport to be more secure than POP and the operating system to be more secure than Novell. And so we built Goldmine Enterprise, partnered with Microsoft, and they're the ones who pulled us to $100 million a year in revenue. Awesome. So leveraging the trusted advisor of your prospect is key to scaling a business, especially if you're going to do it in a bootstrap way. Yeah. And then all of that market validation, the product was in a great state. And then it just kind of pulled you into this channel orbit with Microsoft. That's just a beautiful story. When I was at CitySource, we had a really good strategy unlocking Esri as a channel. And then that kind of got us into IBM and Infor. And it just was a big set of dominoes. So yeah, channel's tough because you have the right partnership team to be able to manage it and you got to be tall enough to ride, so to speak. And a big channel partner could crush you if you're not really on top of it. <laughs> be sure. I love that. So were there any challenges at Nimble where you were like, oh shit, like this is, were you guys ever on the ropes or was it just one of these kind of real gold mine? Or yeah, a gold mine. My apologies. Yeah. Every fucking day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, are we going to make payroll this week or this month? Are we going to get crushed by this competitor or that competitor? It's like, or just the pressures. Like Kurt, I would literally sometimes be driving home and my drive home was long because we our office was in Pacific Palisades, beautiful location overlooking Gladstones and the beach there. Yeah, right there on Sunset. I know the office. Yeah. And my home was in Newbury Park. So I had to drive like anywhere from an hour to two hours depending on traffic. Just the pressure of everything. Sometimes I would melt down. And sometimes I think going to work for a day or two. It's like it was really, really hard. You know that scene from Shawshank Redemption 
where he's crawling through the, the sewer pipe. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like that, yeah. Because you feel the pressure you have with all these families that are counting on you. Yeah. Yeah, and then it is interesting, especially if you guys are scaling that quickly, you start to worry, is there some other larger competitor that could come leaping out of the woods and try to kill you? But you know the secret to winning is the perseverance. Bill Gates said that most people overestimate what they could do in two years, but underestimate what they could do in 10. Yeah. It's a long game in technology, and you just got to keep putting one foot in front of each other every day. It's a lot of it's just believing. And I think that my childhood set me up to be a believer and to have the strength to persevere through the shittiest moments imaginable. Yeah. What are you most proud of or most grateful for around your work with Goldmine? The people. Yeah. All the people. Across the constituents. Because it's not just prospects and customers that will help you to achieve your dreams. At Goldmine, there were editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third-party developers, investors, advisors. Well, maybe not so many investors, but no investors. But the team that we brought in, I love to hire liberal arts majors, ideally from Midwest schools, or even hairdressers, because they really know how to listen and communicate. And life and business is about listening and communicating effectively. And we would take people in that had no technology background, no business background, and teach them and grow them. An example is Natalie Burdick, who started out fresh graduate history, I think, from UCLA. And she was, I think she started out answering the phones and helping out around the office. And eventually she became VP of product. And so when I get stopped on the street and people say to me, John, my years at Goldmine were the best of my life. And it's not just the team members, but it's end users who say, I freaking loved it. And especially the resellers and the partners. And there's a guy named John Tashik, who's the head of strategy at Salesforce. So he's the one who hires all the analysts away from Gardner and all these influencers like Brian Solis and makes them into Salesforce storytellers. So he's the one to help Mark scale the brand. And he used to be editor of PC Computing at Ziff Davis. And back in the day, we taught those editors about what contact management, SFA, CRM, and market automation was. And we collectively taught the market. And so there's just people across the entire journey who I believe that we blew some wind in their sails to help them to grow. And like I said earlier, I think that our purpose on this planet is to grow in the brief period of time that we're here. And the best way to grow is by helping other people grow. And that's my biggest reward. Yeah, I love that. I remember when I was using Goldmine, there was a partner that I had named DB and he would just help me when I needed to like reconfigure the system or every once in a while there'd be an issue and need to get it back sinking. And I just was always so fascinated that there was people like him that were just so psyched on the service. And I would just pay him at 65 bucks an hour at the time. That was pretty good money. Yeah. And he was happy to help and it was awesome. And I had a sense that there were a lot of people like that around the goldmine community. There were literally 10,000 goldmine resellers around the world back in the day. Yeah. And it was our goldmine conferences were so big, our reseller conferences that Steve Ballmer came twice to keynote them and do his monkey dance and basically get everybody riled up. And I think that's where he got the idea to basically build a back office and front office software like Great Plains 
He bought Great Plains and built Dynamics, the back office accounting software. And they ended up building uh, Microsoft CRM because they saw the power of business solutions on top of their Windows operating system. Yeah, I remember seeing an early copy of Outlook and being like, this is just a carbon copy paste of Goldmine. The interface was almost exact, but Outlook didn't work nearly as good. Yeah, Microsoft doesn't iterate, they innovate, and then they use their muscle, billions of users and hundreds of thousands of ours to dominate. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of threads I want to pull, and then I want to double-click into Nimble, which is epic. Like you mentioned this, the thing I'm curious about, because I'm in an outbound sales role, and you mentioned hiring these liberal arts folks because they were just really good at listening. You've been selling for a long time, supporting sales folks. In your mind, what is selling and what makes a great world-class salesperson? I think that service is the new sales. And if your intention is to help the person you're engaging with to grow and achieve their goals or dreams. I think you're doing your job as a salesperson. You're really a facilitator, even if it means in that moment, recommending a competitor's product. Yeah. Because if you do that, if you're supporting them in that way, they'll tell their friends about you and they'll drag their friends with them and they'll pick up the phone and call you when they need your product and services, when they do get them. And so I think that sales is... It's like John Wooden teaches basketball. It's the basics that wins games, follow up and follow through, do say what you're going to do, do what you say, and then it's a team sport that the sale doesn't stop at the order close. That's when it begins. Yeah. And so I think salespeople should be compensated on retention as opposed to closing. And I think that the whole team should be compensated, not just salespeople. And it's one of the things that stuck with me at Goldmine when the sales reps would rub their $350,000 commission check in my face as we flew away from the plant site of the customer that I just helped to get closed as the SE. And I got jacked from that sale. And so at Goldmine, we didn't just commission salespeople. Everybody in the company participated in the rewards of the company hitting its goals. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Then, so kind of fast forward, you sold the business in the dot-com boom in the late 90s. Sounds like they put a pretty good non-compete on you, I would imagine. Yeah. And then you retired, right, for a while? I'm looking at your LinkedIn. It looks like you did two years of photography at Santa Monica College. Yeah. That must have been a really nice time. Yeah, I love uh, (laughs) photography. In fact, I got a new baby here. This is my new rangefinder, my Fuji. Took 10 years off, raised a family, right? Yeah, I think there's some good stories there. One, if you're an entrepreneur and you're used to running on that hamster wheel and driving and pushing and growing, after I sold the business and I got back, I went to my house, my wife looked at me and said, what the F are you doing here? And I said, what do you mean? I live here. And she says, no, you don't. This is my house. We'll find something to do. Because she didn't want that entrepreneurial energy yes. there. She wanted me to go find something to pour it into. And she's right. I was 40 years old. I needed to go pour that into something. And also, an entrepreneur is a certain beast. And I think that they need to evolve and grow. And at that moment in my life, I think I might have been a little cocky and sure of myself and a little bold. And I needed to soften my heart and my soul a little bit through some growth. And so we just had our second baby the day that Goldmine closed. 
April 19th, 1999. What a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to take really great pictures of my kids. So I went and took a class at local community colleges, Santa Monica City College. Great photo program there, by the way. And then that class led to another class, another class. Eventually, I got a degree in photography. And in the middle of getting the degree in photography, I got a head tumor and I almost died. Ooh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock out of wood. That happened a time ago. Yeah. And so when you get smacked by the universe, you take a moment and you go, WTF, right? What? Yeah. Why? And you look for causals and physical causals, right? I had a big Sony cathode ray tube next to me on my desk for 10 years. But you also look for spiritual answers. And so I went and did my due diligence with Western medicine to identify solutions. I did some Eastern medicine and some meditation and other homeopathic remedies. And in the process of doing that journey, I began to learn and grow, soften my heart, grow my soul, and really find my purpose on this planet. And I really came to the conclusion that my purpose on this planet is to grow my soul in the brief period of time that I'm here. And the best way to grow your soul is by being present with people who love you especially your kids, because if you're present with them, they'll reflect your shit back at you. And if you're willing to look at your shit in life uh, and work on it, that's how you grow as a human being. And so it was a really challenging moment in time, but also transformative. And so, yeah, for anybody listening who will go through some inevitable health challenges, you need to be your own advocate. You need to do your research. You need to make your choices I need to commit to that and believe. And I did, and I got through it. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that you got through it. Yeah, that's new information for me, and thanks for sharing that. Normally, I have the kind of humanizing success prompt around a challenge that you overcome, and that's that. And the gift that it's given you is uh, presence. And then it also made me think about going and starting another business, and I decided to dedicate my life to my family, to my friends, to my community. Because Kurt, as an entrepreneur, it takes everything. So for 10 years, I really just disconnected from everyone and just like heads down in doing that thing. So it gave me time to get my kids up in the morning, feed them, clothe them, walk them to school, work in the classroom. And most men never get a chance to do that. And I did. And it was a precious gift to me and I hope my family, and I really recommend any dads listening to this today to take those moments of your life and to lean into it because you can't really spend any time in the classroom after first grade anyway. So maybe kindergarten and, and first grade are the only times you could actually work in the classroom and do any of that stuff. And it's just so great. And then I was part of, I did Boy Scouts with my sons and I also did Y Guides with my daughter. And it's just like, being a present dad is a real gift that the universe gave me as a result of my entrepreneurial success. Yeah, I love that. And then what was sort of the thought or the timing that opened up for Nimble? So I have this old Spanish home that I bought from this famous actor and it needed some work. And I started to remodel my house in 2006, 7, 8 or so. So it took a few years to do that. And in the process of remodeling my house, my product brain started again because I had to like, I had to sort of think about spaces and, and details and stuff. And so I almost like it was a workout thing that got me honed and like really back in the groove of things. And it's about that time I started to use Twitter 
So this in tech, Leo Laporte had the Twitter founder on and they were talking about it. So I went and checked it out and it's like, what is this thing? Why would you go on this thing and say anything? So I built an account in I think 2007 or eight or whatever it was. And I said, hello world, which was a little thing we used to do in the Unix days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started to use Twitter and then I started to use Facebook and then I started to use LinkedIn. I started to re-engage with people around me because I hadn't engaged with people outside of my small bubble of my family and my friends around me. And I started to rekindle these connections that I hadn't touched in 10 years. And I started to build all these contacts and I wanted to be able to manage these relationships that I was building and rekindling and I in social and I couldn't find a, a relationship platform that integrated social. And then I looked at CRM and saw it was about relationships, it was about reporting. And it wasn't social. And I these strings went off in my head like guitar notes that Mick Jagger might have heard when he wrote Angie. And it was the same sort of feeling and notes that I heard in my head when I created Goldline. And I immediately saw how social was going to change the way we work, play, buy, and sell. And I said to myself, I need to put a band together and go build this, write this song. Yeah, I love it. I've been using Nimble for 10 years plus, 10 years now, I guess. When did you officially launch it? 2011-ish or so. Yeah, yeah. I was early. I think I got on in 20... I might have been 2011. It'd be interesting to go back and look at the logs, but 2012 for sure, because we got connected through that community. I think Tyler Crowley, who was working for Jason Calacanis, first introduced us. Yeah. I, I was so excited when I connected the dots that you were the Goldmine CEO and founder, and I was like talking to a living legend. And the thing I love about Nimble is like, it's so easy to use and you guys anticipate so many of my needs, like the Gmail client so that I can use Gmail as my email client. And then there's a little awesome Chrome extension that I can just boom, open up my Nimble right inside of Gmail and update phone numbers and emails. You guys do a lot of that stuff automagically, I think is what the word you use for it. And the other thing is it has a lot of the social insights I find to be powerful the thing that I've been working on now, because I have all this data splattered everywhere from my iPhone to LinkedIn, my Google contacts, Nimble, I'm working on doing another big pass to get everything into Nimble. And I've been really surprised how amazing your guys' email enrichment is. And it's a really, really, really affordable too. I went and priced out email enrichment. It's so expensive. You guys like are almost giving it away. It's an incredible little secret. Yeah, I think that the biggest cause of failure of CRM is lack of use and the second's bad data. Lack of use is because you have to go to your CRM to use it and you work for it. You Google people and then go to go to log that in the CRM. Then you go and engage in email and social and then you got to go back and log that in the CRM and nobody does it. And then bad data. So even if you did go type that stuff in, it would decay like rotten fish. So I believe that your relationship platform should automatically work for you by building itself by unifying yes. contacts from all the places they are. And our contacts today are in our email productivity suite, and which might be a combination of platforms. I have a Microsoft account, a Gmail account, a Google Workspace account, and an Apple iCloud account. And so Nimble will unify the contacts email calendar from all those places and then enrich those contacts with people and company data so I don't have to Google them, I Nimble them. And so when I for record, I have their avatar and their company and their bio and their location. And if I don't have their email and phone number, Nimble and enrich that too, like you just said. And so I think what makes Nimble unique is that if most serums are sales serums for salespeople, 
Pipedrive, Salesforce, HubSpot, et cetera. Nimble is a, t- is a relationship platform for individuals and teams for the whole company. So it can either be your personal serum, which you could use in conjunction with your work serum and bring your network to work with you. Or if you're a company, you could use it across the entire company. Now, what is the outcome of a typical serum? It's a deal. So you put a contact in a CRM, you pound on it to get a lead qualified, you log notes and schedule tasks in order to forecast a deal and close it. Right. Less than 5% of any company are salespeople. The rest of the company are doing other things, other processes that are repeatable with people and companies. And so we recently built workflows in Nimble, which allows you to build a Kanban board of stages and track the people and company data across those stages for things like recruiting, fundraising, PR outreach, et cetera. And I've just found it to be game-changing because everybody has repeatable people and company processes that they try to do in spreadsheets or maybe they do it in Trello, but none of that's connected to contacts. And I think that besides what you just said, which is the social aspect that we enrich contacts and that we work inside Microsoft or Google email inboxes and we have a browser plugin that allows you to use it in LinkedIn or Twitter or on a company website is the fact that the purpose of connecting with other people is to have an outcome. And that outcome isn't just one outcome. It's a series of steps to get that outcome. And that you need to build a process around that and teach it to your team. And Nimble has workflows that help you to do that. And recently, we launched automated processes, which allow you to automate the processes around the workflows. Because if I add a contact to a workflow, let's say I'm hiring, I add it from Indeed. I wanted to tag it in a certain way and send an email invite for the appointment. Well, why should a human have to do the tag and send the email template? The machine should do that so the human could do the human things. And so workflows and automated processes are sort of our next thing that we're doing. Yeah, I love it. You guys do a great job with the product updates and also the videos to make it easy to learn stuff. And I've also found that you guys are really responsive if I have like feature requests I'll, I'll create a feature request and you guys do it. Like you mentioned the deal flow stuff. Like it's been amazing seeing how that product has really evolved. Keeping an eye on time and I want to be respectful because we're already a minute over and you're probably running late to another meeting. For anybody listening, uh, nimble.com is the place to go and it's uh, great to check out if you want an easy place to just manage your relationship. And if you sign up for Nimble and want to subscribe, use the code John40, J-O-N-4-0, and you'll get 40% off your first three months. Epic. Awesome. Thank you so much. And then kind of fun fact, if you could have any band, artist, rapper, musician, singer, songwriter, play any venue, past, future, present, who would it be and where? I think that it'd be Bob Marley at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Well, I'll be sitting right next to you. Maybe a VR, we could do that. Robert Scoble was telling me about some new VR tech that can make that kind of thing happen. So, John, you're a scholar and a gentleman. You've been a great friend and an inspiration and mentor to me. People want, you're really active online. If people want to follow along, what's a good way for them to engage? Well, Google me, J O N space F E R R A R A, and you'll see all the places I hang out and connect with me on whatever channel you feel comfortable. In fact, Google yourself because people will Google you before a meeting and you better show up on that first page. And if you don't like how you show up on that first page, you could fix that. Build a Wikipedia page on yourself. It's free and easy as long as you follow the rules. 
and you control what people see about you. But it, make it simple. My email is jon at nimble.com. Let me know how I can help you grow. John, thank you so much. We so appreciate you. It's so nice to see you today. And I can't wait to see you soon. And hopefully you take some photos with you. Let's go on a walk soon. Let's do that. Love you, Kurt. Awesome. Love you too, man. Thanks again to my friend, John Ferrara, for being our guest. I appreciate his humility, honesty, and contribution to making our lives richer by helping us nurture our most valuable assets, our relationships. Please be sure to check out nimble.com if you're looking for a better way to organize your address book. I'm at Curdy D on Twitter and Instagram. Also, Kurt Deridix on LinkedIn. And until next time, Curdy D loves you. Thanks for listening. To review the show notes for this episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, and any links mentioned, visit curdyd.com. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be notified when new episodes go live. Stay tuned for more unique perspectives shaping the world on The Curdy D Show.